0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah. A couple of you guys doing all right. Well, we're glad you're here with us. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in this series called XOXO Family Flings and Relationship Things. And uh, we've been talking about the dynamics of relationships, particularly romantic relationships and how those work and what are some tools, what are some principles we can be applying to our life to have better relationships and and so today we're going to continue that. We're going to go a little bit of a different route today. But before we kind of dive in, um, we've been throwing up on the screen this text your relationship questions to this number. Uh, and we've been encouraging you guys to text your questions. We want to help you in your relationships. Next week, we're going to do a QA and a live here on Sunday morning. My wife and I, we're going to be at every, every service just answering all the questions that have come in. There's been tons of questions. Ask your questions. No question is off limits. We'll try to get to every single one of them that we can, and uh, it'll be a lot, a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, everybody have their X and O cards. Pull out your X and O cards from worship. Throw them up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Come on, show them. Shake what your mama gave you right there. She gave you X's and O's, okay? Um, so, we have some questions for you guys this week. Just trying to get a good idea of who here is with us today. And so, the first question is this. Maybe. Can a man keep his man card if he cries during a chick flick? Yes or no? Yes or no? Come on. Come on. Give it to me. A lot of yeses. All the single guys are like no. All single guys have no cards. That all, uh, there's, there's one or two that's out there. Okay. Got a good, a good idea. Some relationship's going to have some trouble. Uh, next question. Have you broken up with someone with a version of it's not you, it's me? Come on, you know you've used in that. Oh, yeah, the majority of people, there's like two people that haven't dated before. They've used, they haven't used it yet. They're like, oh, I can do that. Okay, sweet. Uh, next one. Is it okay for a guy to ask a girl out with social media? Never. No. Look at these overwhelmed. all these notes. All the single people are like, I just wanted somebody to ask me out. <laughs> all right, all right, last one. This is the most important one. If you tell them, meaning women, not to get you anything on your anniversary, or tell them, being guys, not to get you anything on your anniversary, can you be mad at them when they do not get you anything? No. Yeah. Yeah. Every woman has yes up right now. Every guy is like, no. Oh, there's one that has no. There's a hotel. Okay, two of you guys. Like, that, like, nobody knows. See, this is the part that's so confusing about relationships. Women, your yes means no, and your no means yes, and and sometimes means you better never do that. And uh, like that's okay means like you're not getting any tonight. And so uh, you know that like there's, there's, all these subliminal messages, and that's you know relationships aren't that intuitive. It's it's very hard to figure all of this stuff out. And I believe that today is going to be a lot of fun, probably a little intense in some places, but. Relationships are difficult, and finding the right relationship is a a tough predicament for any of us. And so it doesn't matter what your Facebook status is today. When it comes to relationships, I believe that God is going to speak to you. There's going to be something for you here today. And what I've found about relationships is that relationships have a tendency to be more like farming, than they are fantasy, and so I, I brought my my farmer's hat here today, and I brought my fantasy tiara here, and uh, and so like we really like. <laughs> this is awesome. I know this is going on Instagram somewhere. Uh... <laughs> is that gonna. So we love fantasy, don't we? I mean, we love the idea of the fantasy relationships. It's like the bachelor or the bachelorette on steroids. I mean, it's everybody's hot and sexy. Dates are amazing and perfect. I mean, fantasy is an incredible place, and people love fantasy a lot more than they like farming, and and it's all about Prince Charming. It's all about romanticizing the other person, having the perfect things to say. It's like Jerry Maguire all over again. You know, Jerry walks in after realizing that Renee is the one for him, and is like, I love you, Renee. You complete me and Renee needing to be rescued and all teary-eyed is like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> you had me at hello. <laughs> we think every relationship's supposed to be like that, and every guy hates that movie. And Tom Cruise. The only person that awed there was a girl. Like, like oh, Tom Cruise, he's so cute. Yeah, but like no guy's going to say something that romantic. Like, and we live in this fantasy land where, where it's hot sex all the time. Like, you come home and it's rip off your clothes and on like Donkey Kong. And it's these extremely romantic dates and... And if you're older, you're out in a field and laying in some bathtubs with your spouse and the Seattle's little logo comes up and <laughs> It's fantasy. It's not real. Relationships are more like Farming, and I know some of you guys are like, well, teacher, I really like that idea of fantasy. I mean, that sounds good to me. But real relationships are more like farming. What does a farmer do? He gets up every day. He goes out and he works. He works his field. He feeds and he cares for his flock. He wades through some crap. In harvest time, There's all kinds of good things that are happening. Sometimes there's some seasons where it's winter and it's dark and it's bleak. But you know what he does? He keeps on working. Because he knows that springtime is coming. And we love the idea of fantasy, but we fail to realize that relationships take a ton of work. And so my question for us today is, is what eyes are we looking at our relationships through? Are we looking through it through the eyes of fantasy, where it's rainbows and butterflies and kisses flying through the air? Are we looking through it through the eyes of farming, where we realize that it's a bunch of work? Because the perspective that we have is going to determine how we approach our relationships it's going to determine how we relate to other people and the expectations that we have in that relationship. The problem is, is that most of us, we romanticize the fantasy so much. And because we romanticize fantasy so much, we, we buy into the lies of what fantasy tells us. And so today I wanted to talk particularly to single people, people that are dating, people that are engaged, people that are married, that wish they weren't married. Uh, Actually, you're just, you're stuck. So we're just going to talk to you anyways. But uh, like you have these preconceived ideas of what you think it's going to be like, and you have these fantasies, and there's some myths that we buy into that we've got to debunk if we're going to have healthy, growing relationships. And so uh, there's five myths in particular that are really big that I hear over and over again in one form or another, from people as I'm talking with them and talking about the dynamics of relationships. And the first one is this. It's if I find the right person, everything will be all right. If I just find the right person, everything will be all right. We just think, man, if I can just find the right relationship, it will fix everything. And uh, how many of y'all have realized that uh, people with problems get married and The problems don't go away. Married people, come on now. You know that, like, you roll into, like, all the married people are like, heck, yeah, I know, I'm sitting next to my problem right now. and and, (laughs) Like, you take your set of problems and you go, man, this other person, they're going to fix my problems. What you fail to realize is this person over here, they got issues. They're not problems yet. But when they get with you, you don't have problems. You have multiplication of problems. You got like World War III going on, and, and, but we believe there's a lot of them, and if I just find the right person, then all of my problems will go away. It'll be a beautiful brand new thing, and we go, oh, brand new world, a grand, fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no or where to go, a brand new world with you. No, it's not a brand new world. It's the same old world you walked into before. You just added their problems to your world. Now it's a jacked up new world. (laughs) What we need to do is instead of focusing on trying to find the right person, we need to focus on becoming the right person. We need to focus on, man, figuring out who God has created me to be. Who he wants me to be because I can find the right person, but if I'm the right, not the right person, it's going to be messed up because I'm not ready for the right person yet. Attempt to become the right person before you go and try to get in the right relationship. Some of the best advice I could give you today. And becoming the right person has all to do with how are you developing the characteristics, the values that you're going to need To be healthy in a relationship. How is your relationship with God going? How are your disciplines by yourself? Because if you're not disciplined now, you're not going to be disciplined when you get in a relationship. If you're not healthy now, no relationship is going to make you healthy. That other person is not going to complete you. Even though we buy into that, no person can complete us. The only person that can complete us is God. Another person can complement us. They can add some value to our life, but they're not going to add something that's so significant that all of a sudden you're completely whole. No, that's what God does. And see, we want to go and we want to seek a person out. And God say, no, 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 no. Don't seek a person. I want you to seek me out. I want you to seek me. That's why he says in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Number one thing that needs to be happening in your life is, man, my passionate pursuit of God. Is my focus on finding the right person. It's my focus on developing an intimate, passionate, all-knowing, all-encompassing relationship with Jesus. And living for him. That's what living righteously is. It's kind of leaving the old ways behind, doing things for myself. Man, I'm going to live in a right standing with God. And as I'm going to do that, as I'm seeking God and putting him first and seeking him first, you know what he does? He adds everything to it. He gives you everything you need. See, then he brings the person that's going to complement you, not who you think is going to complete you. And so we need to realize that, man, it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person by pursuing Jesus with everything that you got. Second myth that we believe is we believe that it's all about the chemistry. And we know that's not true because on the radio we found out that it's all about the base, no treble thank you megan trainer you know we think it's all about chemistry we think it's all about man there's this connection here they just they meet the deepest needs within me and the reason we think that way is because we go into a relationship as a taker, as a needy person. And so we think there's, there's this connection, and we call it chemistry because there's some needs in our life. There's some desires in our life that they're meeting. But what happens after a while in a relationship, the thing that you think holds you together, chemistry, starts to fade. Why? Because we're selfish, And if it's all about the chemistry and you getting what you can out of a relationship, what's eventually going to happen is you're going to take, 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 take. Eventually, that person's going to go, man. They're taking a lot. I want something in this relationship. I want to take. And all of a sudden, you're both just taken, and chemistry erodes. And what we fail to realize, the thing that keeps relationships together is a whole bunch of work. It's not chemistry. And what's the work that we do? Love. We talked about it last week. Love is a verb. It's action. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it says, love is patient and it's kind. That sounds like a lot of work. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I can tell you that right now. I'm a very proud guy. That's a lot of work not to be proud. It does not demand its own way. Heck no. That is like almost impossible. Like, that's a lot of work right there. It is not irritable. Some of y'all woke up that way. You know that it takes a lot of work not to be irritable. It keeps no records of being wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. That's hard. Never loses faith. That's even harder. Is always hopeful. That's pretty much near impossible. And endures through every circumstance. That's just crazy. Love sounds like it's an incredible amount of work. Sounds a lot more like farming than fantasy. And what happens is is we roll into relationships with these expectations and they all of a sudden they meet reality. And when reality and expectations collide in life what ends up happening is we end up with resentment which eventually leads to rebellion in that relationship where we go man i'm gonna get mine i'm gonna rebel against what you want i'm gonna get what i need and you go into a relationship and you're needy and you're a taker and you're not a giver and you think man it's all about the chemistry and that chemistry starts to fade because it's all about what you can get rather than what you can give In a healthy relationship, it's not about what you can get. It's about how much can I love, how much can I serve, and how much can I give to this other person to make sure their needs are met before I ever meet my own. We buy into it. Third myth we buy into is I am running out of time. The clock is ticking, tick-tock, tick-tock. Every second is passing by. Man, I've got to hurry up and find the right person. Man, I've got to hurry up and have a baby. Man, I've got to hurry up and get married. And we hurry and we hurry and we hurry. And every statistic out there will tell you the faster you hurry into a relationship, the more chance it has at failure because you're skipping through the process. And for some reason in the church and in the world, we've kind of dogged singleness for some reason. And listen, being single is not a bad thing. It's good to be single. In fact, Paul says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that singleness is a gift. Like it's a gift to you. It's something that you need to realize that, man, you're gifted to be single right now. It's not like you're getting set over at the kids' table at Thanksgiving like you're not all there yet. Like, singleness is an awesome thing, and for some reason, we've made it so that it's a bad thing. And let me just tell you something. If you're single out there, take advantage of this moment. Don't think that because you're single, you're running out of time. Because when you feel like you're running out of time, you know what you always do in that moment is you settle. You settle for less than. And I've watched way too many people Walk in and say, man, I'm marrying them anyways because I don't care. I just want to be married. You know what they have six months later? Regret. Why? Because they settle. They just settle. Listen, being single is not a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. You know what is bad? Being married to the wrong person. That's, that's no, that's not bad. That's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. In church, usually when we talk about singleness, we talk about, you know, waiting for your Boaz. We talk about Ruth and the fact that she waited for that special someone. And I would encourage you, if you're single, don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life. Don't settle for that chump that isn't worth it, ladies. Guys, don't settle for that girl just because she looks good. Make sure she's got a personality too because you've got to talk to her. true beauty is fading but a woman who loves the lord that's that's a good scripture for you to memorize in fact while you're waiting i found this on pinterest while you're waiting while you're waiting for your boaz don't settle for any of his relatives broke ass po ass lying ass cheating ass dumb ass drunk ass cheap ass locked up ass good for nothing ass lazy ass and especially his third cousin beating yo ass I already, I already got an email like somebody's offended. Listen, I don't care. <laughs> Never cared from day one. Don't care now. I'm just telling you the truth because you know what? You probably settled for lazy ass. And you're just mad because I just called you out on settling. And as soon as we start talking about this, there's, I, I know that there's somebody out there. They're going, but TJ, you don't understand. All of, all of my friends are married right now. Listen, that's your friend's story. Here's the most amazing thing about God. Is their story is their story. But God's got a story for you. And your story is unique. And it's awesome. And it's valuable. And it's precious. And you know what? You don't want your story to look like their story. Because that wouldn't then be your story. That would be somebody else's story. And God's called you to live your story. And God's called you to live your life. Don't settle. Get comfortable being content with God. Listen, if you're uncomfortable being single, you'll never know when you get married if you're doing it out of love or out of loneliness. That's an important thing for you to know. Do I truly love this person? Am I willing to do whatever it takes? And what happens is is because we feel that clock going, tick-tock, 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 we end up settling And it jacks every single thing up. And we think, man, i got to make this happen on my own. But nowhere in Scripture do I see God saying, you know what, go make this happen on your own. I always hear God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own Understanding. Oh, so I don't need to make my own way and make my own path because I'm supposed to trust God. It says, Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path. He'll show you the way. Another version of it is when my eyes are focused on Jesus, he's going to bring the right person before me rather than me going to the club to find the right person. And let me just tell you this, ladies you're never going to find the right dude in a club. Guys, you're never going to find the right lady in a club either. If that's where your dating scene is at, man, that's a terrible dating scene. Are you trusting God and becoming the right person? And as you're trusting him, believing that he'll bring the right person to you. Here's the best advice I could give a single person right now. Run after God as hard as you can. Make him your heart's desire, your focus, and after you've ran about 25 miles spiritually after God. Because that's about the time when all the haters have fallen out and all the players have kind of played away. You look to your left and you look to your right. There's somebody running next to you. You go, hey, wanna grab some coffee? And you'll see what God will do in that moment. Number four. It doesn't matter what they believe because we have love. This is my favorite one. It doesn't matter what they believe because we have love. And the thing that I've learned about love is love is deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid. All at the same time. It's incredible the things that people think because they are in love. And they don't believe that it's going to make a big difference, the differences that they have. And let me just tell you something, the differences that you have don't make a big difference when you're deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid, but that kind of fades away, like the scales get dropped, and all of a sudden you realize, man, that dude's an idiot, and I don't agree with anything, and all of a sudden you're hitched up to them, and you got to deal with them for the rest of your life. And those things that didn't matter very much, oh, they're just differences, now all of a sudden they're conflict. That's why Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and there is some crazy stuff that's happening there. I mean, people are going buck wild, crazy with sexuality. They're hooking up with everybody, and their mom. I mean, literally with their mom is craziness. And he's saying, "Listen, the, y'all are doing some funky stuff. Like you need to realize that when you're connecting yourself, when you're when you're yoking up, and we talked about yoking that first week, that it was an apparatus they would put on." animals to produce work, and they would put two animals together, put this wooden apparatus on them, and together, working together, they would plow fields and they would accomplish way more. They were uniting them to accomplish a goal and a task. And he's saying, listen, don't unite those things. And that's why he compares it to righteousness and lawlessness and fellowship with light and darkness. He's saying, man, when you put those things together, it's always going to contaminate the other one. He's saying don't compromise when it comes to relationships and your values of this. Don't do it. And what he's referring to is he's referring back to a verse back in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10, where it says, You must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. And the reason he's referring to this is he's talking about don't yoke two different people, different mindsets together. And he's referring to this verse in Deuteronomy because he realized that when you have two different aspects, two different mindsets... That there's going to be some, some tension there in that relationship. And he, he knew that there is a big difference between a donkey and an ox. An ox is a very strong animal. A donkey is a very quick animal. An ox has way more power than a donkey ever could. A donkey is not quite as intelligent as an ox. And, and so they would put them together and they would start plowing. But there was one major difference between these animals. They had a very different diet. And the reason they said don't put them together is because an ox was considered a very, very clean animal. It would only eat very, very specific things at specific times. And so this animal was very much signifying somebody that's living in right standing and right living with God. And he's saying, listen, you have this person that's in right standing, right living with God, and then you have a donkey. Who will basically eat anything it comes across. Man, if it's a, if it's a vegetation on the ground, it's gonna eat it. If it's poison ivy, it's gonna eat it. It would just eat anything at any point in time, anywhere it would go. And so all of a sudden, you have this donkey that's eating everything. And you have this ox, that's this is extremely clean animal. And because the donkey is eating everything it comes encounters with, it's getting some nasty helitosis breath. Because it's eating poisonous stuff, and researchers actually say, this is scientific, that a donkey's breath is so toxic that when it's connected in with an oxen, that literally the donkey's breath would end up making the ox sick, and if it was hooked up long enough to the ox, it would actually kill the ox. So when he's saying, don't be unequally yoked, he's saying, listen, don't hook up with a jackass. He's saying don't hook up with somebody of a different mindset because connecting yourself with a different different beliefs is a lethal decision to your spiritual life. It will eventually kill your belief system. So it's a big deal. Number 5 Myth that is put out there for people all the time. Sex isn't a big deal. Sex isn't a big deal. And here's what they say. They say, you know, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. What woman wants to be compared to a car? I wouldn't say that about a guy, because guys would be like, oh, that's awesome. But there's all these lies that we're being fed all the time about sex. We get told all the time that sex is just physical and it doesn't hurt you. You hear it over and over again, every TV show, every movie, everywhere. It's not a big deal. Second thing I hear about sex all the time is just, man, it's a positive-sum game. One person gets what they want, the other person gets what they want. He gets his needs met. She feels love. And so everybody wins. But my question is, is then why is it that people's deepest regrets are always sexual in nature? Why is that always their deepest regrets? Nobody nobody calls me up and is like, TJ, i I, I got to talk to you, Pastor. I, man, I really need to talk to you. I was in a fender bender in Walmart. Don't call me up and say that. They say, you know what, TJ? I've been dealing with this thing for years. I was sexually abused as a child. Or before I was married, I got into a relationship and I ended up getting pregnant. Or I was molested or. I've been with so many people and I just don't feel anything anymore. And our sexuality, it isn't just sex and it isn't just physical. It's so much more than that. And our heart and our gut and our experience tells us over and over and over again that it is so much more. And every time we think that it's just physical or it's just a positive sum game, you know what it ends up doing? It ends up hurting us really, really deeply. Because God created sex with this idea that sex and intimacy went hand in hand. You can't separate sex and intimacy. It's to be this, this expression of you're known and fully known by the other person. And God established this idea of intimacy back in the very beginning in Genesis. When he walked and he talked with Adam and he said, man, I I want you to know me and to me to fully be known by you. It was this word intimacy, to know. He said, "This this is a powerful thing. This is a connection point. Where you can be full-on fearless, passionate, no comparison, no no false ideas, no criticism, full on passionate intimacy. And God created that for us and him. And then he said, Man, I want you to be able to experience that with someone else to know and to be fully known. He said, I'm going to allow you to, ex- to experience that intimacy through this amazing thing called sex. It's powerful and it's magical and it's beautiful, but it can be easily broken when you try to detach intimacy from sex. That's why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He's saying sexual sin, man, this idea that sex is just this end some game and it's just physical. He's saying like, listen, this is is a category all on its own. And what we fail to realize about sex is that it's connected to something so much deeper than just a physical act. It's connected to our soul. And when sex is out of context, the harm that is done to us isn't just done on a physical level. It's done at the deepest levels of our soul. But we try to continuously detach intimacy and sex. We try to detach those things and we try to believe the lie that we can do anything with our body with anyone that we want. And we end up just hurting ourselves over and And over and over. And here's the thing about sex. God created it. God wants you to enjoy it. But he also wants you to know that it's fragile and that it's intimate. And if you handle it with care, it can be one of the most beautiful and one of the most powerful things that you've ever experienced in your life. See, but the culture back then was struggling with the same thing that we're struggling with today, that the sex was just do whatever you want. So Paul addresses this in two verses earlier. He says, hey, don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For Scripture says the two are united into one. That word unite means to Stick like glue. It's like taking two eggs and scrambling them together. Once they're scrambled, you can't unscramble them. And he's saying, listen, I know that you guys think you can just go down and hook up with a prostitute and you're just having sex, but you're not. You're uniting yourself to them. There's this sense of permanence. And I know that we think that, man, I can just go to the club and I can pick up that guy or I can pick up that girl, and we can just hook up and Paul's saying, No, 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 no. There is this sense of permanence that is happening there. And you were designed to become one with one per- And when we hook up with person after person after person, it hurts us deeply to where we stop feeling intimacy anymore. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about because you're just numb to that at this point. The reason why I'm talking about this is because this is a preventable thing. This is something we can do something about. Because that word unite to one that it's referring to is is Genesis chapter 2. He's saying you will become one. That is an intimacy word. And when you're one, you can't be un And so you think, man, I'm just hooking up. No, 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 you're becoming one. And you can try to detach sex and intimacy. You can try to detach that. But what God is saying is, man, it's not just physical. It's so much more than that. Sex is connected to your soul. So much more than you can imagine. And so Paul writes in verses 19 and 20, he says, don't you realize that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you realize that your physical being is more than just physical, is what he's saying? Who lives in you and was given to you by God You don't belong to yourself. He's saying, listen, you are valuable, you are precious, you are worth so much. Like, there was a price that was paid for you, and it was the greatest price that could ever be paid. You aren't just some worthless thing that you can just throw around, but you are treasured. For God brought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. And he's saying, listen, your body is connected to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is connected to your soul. And if we're going to truly understand that sex and intimacy and this idea with God, it's all intertwined, then we've got to realize that what we're doing physically has huge implications on us spiritually. And so because of that, we got to honor God with our bodies and with our sexuality. And here's the thing that I've learned about God, is God wants to bless us. But I also know that God sets boundaries for every blessing that he gives us. And I'm just going to tell you this, sex, I know you you hear a lot of pastors, sex is dirty and it's gross and it's nasty. No, 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 sex is awesome. Sex is amazing. Sex is beautiful. I love sex. Sex is the greatest activity that was ever invented if you're married and you're doing it with that person. Okay, I'm gonna, like, let me contextualize this right here. Like sex is awesome in the right context. Sex is amazing within the right boundaries. And everything good in life that you have is good because it's within the boundaries that make it good. You can take anything good and take it outside the boundaries and all of a sudden it becomes bad. And so let me tell you, the boundaries that God has set, continuing on, Paul's thought, chapter 7, verse 2, this is all one thought. But because there is so much sexual immorality, it's what's happening around us today. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So that's the standard right there. So, So check this out. If she is your girlfriend and not your wife, you know what that means? No sex with her. If he's your boyfriend and not your husband, know what the standard is? No sex with him. If he's your husband, you can have sex all the time. <laughs> he was referring to somebody specific. Man, we gotta have standards, and I'm not afraid to talk about standards. Like, I am all about standards because I know when you go against God's standards, you don't break the standard. The standard breaks you. You. And so I, I want us as a church and as a people to passionately pursue God and raise the standard of living that we have, that God has called us to so much more than what the world is trying to lie to us and tell us. And so for those of you that are single, that are dating, that are engaged, uh, that want a relationship, I'm gonna, I want to give you three things here real quick. Number one, determine the story you want to tell. Determine the story that you want to tell. You're the only one that can determine the story that you're going to write. Determine ahead of time that you're going to pursue a relationship that won't distract you from God but will help you pursue God greater. Determine ahead of time what kind of values you're going to have for your life. What is your destiny in your life? Find your significance and your completion in God before you ever find it in another person. Determine what that story you want it to look like. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is decide ahead of time What honoring your body looks like my pastor used to always get up and say he used to say teenagers listen don't decide when you're in the back seat of the car how far is too far you need to decide way before you get in the back seat of the car how far is too far that'll keep you out of the back seat of the car you know what you need to do single people dating people engaged people you need to decide ahead of time what honoring your body is going to look like And this is what I found, a lack of boundaries always invites a lack of respect. If you don't set some boundaries, there's going to be no respect in your relationship. And ladies, let me encourage you with this. Seek respect, not attention. You seek attention, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a douchebag of a dude. Guys, seek a lady, not a hoochie mama. I don't know what else to call her. So, <laughs> and listen, if you can't respect boundaries that you set, you're probably not ready for a relationship. You need to go back to step one. Determine the boundaries you want to set. And number three, live in such a way to tell this story See, the first two are easy to decide and set. The third one is where you actually got to put some action to that. And what that means is you got to be willing to give up something now for something better later on in life. And that that might be hard in this moment because some of you all, you're you're dating a cheeseburger right now. And you like cheeseburgers. But God's got a stake for your life. And McDonald's is cool because it's convenient. But you always regret it later. (laughs) I need to stick to my notes here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pursue Jesus with all you got. Make him the center of your life. Let God write your story. Don't try to make your own story. Allow him to write it and run after him with all of your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you and I thank you for what an amazing God you are that you love us so much that you're all about us passionately pursuing you. And there's so many lies that are out there in this world today that are telling us that we should settle and that man somebody can come in and fill all of our needs and meet all of those things and it's so easy to buy into the fantasy but the reality is, is that relationships take a lot of work and, and maybe we've wanted the easy way but I've found that nothing good in life comes easy it always comes with some effort it always comes with some Perseverance—it always comes with a lot of dedication, and so God, I pray today that that our number one focus would be passionately pursuing You, and that as we passionately pursue You, that we would keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Because if he's the author and perfecter of our faith, I bet you he can be the author and perfecter of our relationships. So today, Jesus, we commit to loving you deeper. We can commit to pursuing you more passionately. God, but most of all, we commit to loving you with everything that we've got. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.